now for the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion, Brad Thompson, on 101 ESPN. Podcast on 101 ESPN, Redbird Report. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And as always, my broadcast partner, Brad Thompson of 101 ESPN as well, is with me. And uh, BT, it's been a little while since uh, we've had the chance to visit. In terms of being in person, doing some games together, by the way, you were fabulous on those games in Milwaukee, and I'll have you on uh, Monday. Looking forward to that when the Mets get in town, but we always love doing uh, these visits as well, our podcast. And uh, how you doing, my man? Everything going well? Man, I'm doing great and got a lot of stuff to catch up on. A lot of uh, baseball has been played since we were hanging out in Milwaukee. I do see, though, through the you know the beauty of, of modern technology, I see you in some swanky hotel in Cincinnati. Life is good out there. Just don't look behind me. A lot of things I mean, behind looking. me. You know, we, we, you're on Zoom. We're on Zoom. Uh, don't look behind me. Uh, let's see. I got, uh, I'm looking right now. I got a shirt that needs to be ironed. I got pants that need to be ironed. And I also have my suitcase. That's got a lot of valuables, a lot of good underwear in there. I'm sure there is. Look, you did a good (laughs) job of setting up your zoom background and all of your mess is out of the way. (laughs) That's right. Um, let's jump into this, man. So this was, uh, one of the longest road trips of the season. It'll wrap up this weekend, uh, with the Cincinnati Reds Cardinals split in Milwaukee. They take two of three against Miami couple of things that have stood out for me, um, and I, I want to get your bounce these things off of you and get your reaction. Number one, I thought going into the trip, need to find out about the pitching. And most notable would be Michaelis and Mats. Matt's going tonight in Cincinnati. Michaelis has been really good in two starts, and I think it's 11 and a third and one earned. And I was talking to him the other day, and he said, man, everything just feels finally healthy when I make a pitch it's supposed to go where it's supposed to go and not feel pain so that is huge for this team and when we were doing the games in Milwaukee we said boy this would be a great test for the offense because of the Milwaukee pitching and then it lined up to where you're going to face Sandy Alcantara uh, last night Pablo Lopez who was sensational uh, game one wasn't uh, easy either with Miami so you've learned a little bit about this team uh, on this first road trip of the season haven't we yeah, you have for sure. And let's start with Michaelis and the pitching. Uh, I'm right there with you with Miles Michaelis. And you and I talked about this on air, off air. We've talked about it on a podcast, on the radio, and just kind of hanging out. Uh, I've been very high on Miles Michaelis this year. The fact that he was able to come into an offseason, uh, come in healthy, have a normal offseason, as normal as you can have during a, a lockout, I guess, and come into spring and just feel good. He looked good in spring. Uh, I know his first outing was a little rocky, didn't have a feel for stuff, had a 42-pitch first inning. But his last two outings, it's just – it's not the even the results necessarily for me because I'm sure that if you don't believe in Miles Michaelis, you're saying, oh, okay, look, he faced the Brewers. The Brewers don't hit really well. He faced the Marlins. The Marlins don't hit really well. Dude, forget the results. Watch how the ball is coming out of his hand. Watch how he locates. Watch whoever is catching him behind the plate. Watch their glove, and it, he is hitting the glove, and he's doing it with his fastball. He's sinking it at the bottom of the zone. He's riding his four-seam up. He's throwing a good curveball. He'll steal a strike with, with strike one, or he'll end up burying it. The slider is getting weak contact. Everything that you wanted out of Miles Michaelis, you've gotten the last two times out, and I think that he's going to continue to grow. Steven Matz, man, how about him in Milwaukee? The fact that he was able to spot up that fastball into righties. And, Dan, you know this. We were, we were talking to the guys during the trip, 
and that was a point of emphasis. Paul Goldschmidt, actually, uh, in, among others, sat down with Stephen Matz and said, hey, if you are not throwing your fastball into righties, you are doing the opposition a favor. So he did it a lot, just pounding the right-handers in there. He looked good. The only question mark right now, and it's not a question mark of what he's going to be for the season, I don't believe, but the first couple of outings, Dakota Hudson just hasn't looked like he's had a feel for the ball. Uh, you know, He's kind of all over the place, uh, just hasn't got in that rhythm. But I know this, Dan, you, you believe in Dakota. I, I believe in Dakota. What have you seen? I, I, I trust you. Like I, I was a sinker baller. I know he's just not getting a feel for what he's got. I know the stuff is there. But when you watch Dakota, what are you seeing, man? Feel for the ball mechanically out of whack. And you've come back from Tommy John surgery. You've seen it a million times. And sometimes it's very hard for guys to get that feel back. Um, and it's not to say it's not going to come back because it will come back. But uh, I, I just thought in his start against Milwaukee, he definitely uh, mechanically just didn't look right. Now, one of the things I did notice and – I was talking to some people about this, is that in that start, did you notice that he was kind of shaking his arm, shaking his hand in that start? And that's something I'm going to watch this weekend, and, and he'll go again uh, against Cincinnati. But that, that, that to me tells me he just didn't have a real good feel for it, um, and mechanics were just not quite right. So we'll see if this changes. Now, one of the things with the pitching that I love to see was last night. Now, we saw Jordan Hicks. Uh, he was on a pitch count, roughly 45 pitches, and then it was going to be the eye test, according to Ali. It's what he told me before the game. And then after the game, Ali talked about the ability to throw strikes, ground balls, strikeouts, the things that uh, you think about with Jordan Hicks. He, a couple times he fell behind. He still had 100 to go to. A couple times for a double play ball. Yeah, and that's, that's the luxury of being able to kind of sink it at that velocity. A lot of ground balls, a lot of double plays. Um plays well for what we have behind him absolutely and that means defense and you got five gold glovers behind him and uh, I was excited with what I saw from Jordan Hicks last night and that I think he was amped up a little bit early on Brad but then once he settled in he had the inning in which he had two strikeouts that's the guy that you when you're watching you're saying oh this is a weapon and so I'm excited for his next start and beyond and uh, I'm excited just if he can stay healthy because if he stays on the field, stays on the mound, this team's going to have a chance to win. It's really that simple. It is. Uh, he's a weapon wherever you deploy him, and I like the idea of him starting. I like the idea of him building up and growing uh, as a starter. And I don't know what the end game is. And when I say end game, I just I don't know what the total pitch number, pitch count they're looking at, total of innings for the year that they'd like to keep him under. Remember, I mean, this guy hasn't thrown much really in the last three years. So you're going to watch that a little bit. But uh, I, I just loved his reaction after the game, too. Jordan Hicks, I think, has grown up a lot as a pitcher in, in the last couple of years. And, and I know it's funny to say that because he hasn't really been out there with the reps, but he's watched a lot. And he's been around these guys a lot. And he's learning the big league level, even though he's not out there throwing all of the time with, with you know, a, a couple of injuries over the last few years. Uh, I, I liked how he talked about, my stuff is way too good to be walking, guys. He was Absolutely. mad about the two walks that he had because, as you mentioned, you heard Ollie talk about it right there. He's got that 100 in the pocket where he can get a ground ball. Jorge Soler is a pretty darn dangerous hitter. We've seen him hit light tower shots. Well, he threw a 100-mile-an-hour sinker, got him to ground into a double play. Like, don't mess around with your stuff. It is so good. Throw it within the zone and let it work. And I know that Hicks has the overpowering fastball. 
He's got the really good slider. He's been working on that split change up as well. So you think you, you see all of that and you think strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. That's actually not his game, or at least it hasn't been. Yeah, he can get his strikeouts in a pinch when he really needs them. To me, Hicks' biggest advantage is with the movement on his pitches, how quickly he can get out. Throw the thing down the middle, let it run, let it work. So, yeah, five days from now, Dan, I'm pumped up about it too. It was a long wait for him to get this first major league start as the rain and all of the elements out there kind of were messing with it. I thought he did a nice job, and I really believe that the routine is going to be good for him. Um, There's a few things I I want to get into is that uh, May 1st is really not that far away, and that's when rosters have to be reduced from 28 to 26. And if there was somebody that's saying, hey, don't forget about me on the road trip in Miami, it's Andre Pallante. So they put him in a scoreless game. It was game two with the the situation with Alcantara, and you knew that it was going to be a tight game. The Cardinals just had to get Alcantara out of the game. By the way, he was awesome. 27 pitches in the first inning, winds up going uh, – through eight so he he was just fantastic in that he's game so good. oh it's it's and it's free and easy brad i mean he's he's so good but anyway palante to me uh made a case that and, and it was i asked ollie about it it was it was twofold one uh they wanted to get him in a game that, that uh that series but the other thing was let's see what this young man's got and they know his stuff plays and he had two scoreless innings the thing that he did and you know this as well as anybody, is that when you're making the jump from minor league baseball at any level to the major leagues, can you command your secondary pitches? Can you command them at any point in the count? And he fell behind on a couple of hitters. 3-1 was one. 3-0, I believe it was on Aguilar, came back to strike him out, and he had two scoreless innings. Um, That caught my attention in what was a tight game. So, that was a very, very good spot for Palante, and you put that in the the checkbox of uh, of yeah. Do we keep him? That's one of those that you go back to and you say, "Yep, this guy can do it here." And he showed us here in his third major league appearance. I loved what I saw the other night. Yeah, me too, and, and no question, that was an audition right there. Now that doesn't that's not to say that come May first that Palante doesn't get sent out. Like you you know how this business is. Palante is a young pitcher that has three options. You know that he's an easy guy to be able to shuttle back and forth. But what it does is it sticks that little pin in it and says, okay, well I know I can trust him. So if something else happens, if we need to make some moves, we're gonna bring Palante right back and. You, you know that the stuff is good. And you know he pitched under pressure a little bit in spring training. I think he was playing with house money early. He was going out there, and he was throwing the ball really well. But, Dan, you know this. As soon as the cuts start coming, yeah. you stay, and you're still around. The pressure starts to mount a little bit. But take a look at the three games that he's been in so far. The first game that he pitched in, that was in the game that Steven Matz made his debut. He gave up seven. He entered the ball game down 7-3. Not a ton of pressure there game situation-wise. This is major league debut, so there's going to be pressure. Uh, but, but game situation was a little bit different. Second game that he pitched, that was the one where the Cardinals jumped all, all over Freddie Peralta in game two in Milwaukee. And he entered the game in the eighth inning when the Cardinals were up 8-1. Then they scored two more runs, and he was pitching the ninth inning with a 10-1 lead. You have a lot of safety net under you in a game like that. There was no safety net in the game that he came in you know, against the Marlins you know, with a runner on base. And I love what he did. He punched out Jesus Sanchez. He punched out Aguilar. To your point, he fell behind 3-0 on Aguilar. That is a dangerous guy to be falling behind on. And he spotted up two 96-mile-an-hour fastballs to get back into the count 3-2. And then he dropped a nasty slider to punch him out. Then he got Abisail Garcia. 
to ground out to end the innings, then set down Wendell Stallings and Rojas in order. I loved what I saw from Palante. I loved it. Um, I want to get into the offense here in, in just a moment, but I want to finish uh, what we're talking about here with the pitching. Um, who has really stood out for Brad Thompson so far this season? I'll give you my guy, and I know you're going to find this shocking, absolutely shocking. It's Adam Wainwright. And I was thinking That's about like this. like picking Pujols as your pick to click back in the day. It was hey, like, oh, who do you think's going to get a big hit today? Hey, zip it. Uh, Albert? Hey, he's 40, all right? Zip it. So uh, <laughs> when I'm watching Wayno, I was walking into the uh, the ballpark two days ago, and he was on the elevator, just kind of like he was with us uh, in Euchre's booth in Milwaukee. And I said, oh, where's the old man walk today? And he said, well, I went to go check out the video board in the, the control room here at the ballpark in Miami, which they have a great like video board. It's state of the art. He's like, man, that stuff's so cool and all this other stuff. And I was telling uh, some of the guys on the plane last night about it. And the one thing that we all were remarking about, and I, I know this is not going to be a surprise to you at all, Brad, is the shape that Adam Wainwright is in. He's in really good shape, and I, I just love watching him pitch. And so the other day, uh, I went back and, and watched the game. Uh, so he pitched, and I, I wanted to see some of the things that uh, that he was doing. I And I really started just to, to focus on him. My, my attention gravitated towards watching Wainwright. And I know this is not like breaking news, but, man, is it fun to watch him pitch. And this is no disrespect to Jordan Hicks, Sandy Alcantara, uh, anybody you want to name that's really good and throws 100. It's just this guy's doing it with 87, 88 and carving people up and spotting, and he, he's able to sink it, and away, he doesn't really waste any pitches. They're, they're, they're just little pitches, maybe just a little in, a little out, but just enough to, to make you think about it. And then at the back of the mind of all these hitters, you can see him. They're, they're thinking, okay, he's got that curveball still. And then it's just like, whop, 88 right down the middle, and, and these guys can't pull the trigger. I, I'm just having so much fun watching him, man. I And, I again, I, I realize I'm not uh, breaking news here, but, man, is he fun to watch. No, I think the way that you laid it out is perfect. Dan, he's an artist. I mean, he, yeah. he really is. It's, it's kind of a, a modern-day Maddox, and I realize that Greg Maddox, Hall of Fame career, guy's one of the best to ever do it. But the way that he manipulated the baseball – the way that he would just rock a hitter to sleep, have him on his front foot, then speed him up, up, down, in, out, uh, you know, sink it, slide it. The the cutter that Adam uses and the fact that he shapes it in different ways. He'll have that tight one that'll throw in on the hand of, of lefties that he throws a little bit harder. He'll have this sweeper that he'll throw to righties to get them to commit to it, and then they're leaning out over the plate, and then you get the weak contact. He threw a breaking ball. Was it 63 miles an hour or something like that the other day? It's the slowest pitch that's happened in baseball, not from a position player. Do you remember how hard it was? Uh, Mid-60s, yes. Okay, I mean, it, it, that's it, something. It, it might have been 63, but, yeah, it was mid-60s, and I just started laughing. I do remember that. That's it. It's like not quite an EFIS, but almost an yeah. EFIS that, that he just spins out there. And as but you hitter, know what, like, though? You know, he does it, though, with with the same, uh, you know, we talk about pitch tunneling, but everything is the same. Yep. And, and the other thing I love about him, too, Brad, not to interrupt you, but I love the little hesitation. I love that sometimes he'll go above his head with a delivery. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he rapids, you know, he speeds it up. Um, he just is smart, man. And in this game of young players that are paid for power, and the game really is about power. You hit home runs, you, you slug, or you throw 100. 
he's the anti twenty twenty two player, and I I just think it's fun. I, I I this is the the game within the game with him watching him pitch. I just love what you know what he does. Yeah, well, all the stuff that you're talking about, how he changes his delivery and does things, hitting is all about timing, isn't That's it? Right. So if you can mess up timing just by a little bit and get a hitter on his front foot or or have a hitter hesitate a little bit, that's an advantage for you. Adam Wainwright's not out there trying to strike out the world. Now, if he gets you to two strikes, he has no problem punching you out. He can finish any hitter off, uh, but that's not his goal. His goal is to get through every inning with 10 or less pitches and uh, to be able to be out there as long as possible. So uh, it, it has been so much fun over the years to do it. And, and as you're talking about the breaking ball and the way that he throws it, it just reminds me of a long time ago uh, watching him throw his bullpens. And this is in, you know, 2000, probably seven, eight, nine, uh, somewhere, somewhere in that area. But he would throw all, all during that area. He would throw his bullpens. And I used to always be so impressed of how he'd be able to spin that curveball because Adam doesn't do his bullpens max effort. Like he's going out there looking for feel and he, there are some guys and I was one of those guys. I couldn't get the movement on my pitch, Dan, unless I let it rip a little bit. Like I, I had to put more into it. He's able to manipulate the baseball so well, but he would, he would throw his curveball and he would tell the catcher where it's going to be. He said, I'm going to bounce this. I'm going to bounce three of them on the front of the plate. I'm going to bounce three on the middle and I'm going to bounce three on the back. And sure as heck, he would just be able to bounce that <laughs> thing wherever he wants to. And like, it's, it's next level stuff, but you have to practice that. You have to work on it. You have to have a feel for it and you have to have a gift. And he certainly has that. So that's a good, a good pitcher to stand out for you. And by the way, kids, if you're listening to this, first of all, you got great parents because somebody put you in the right direction. Really good to parents. listen to the Redbird Report. So, boy, tell your friends. You know, get this trending at your school. We'll even start doing TikToks if you need us to. Absolutely. We got all you, Dan. You know how to floss, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so we got right all now. that going on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you are. You are. Uh, the, I'm going to go with another guy. I'm going to go out in the bullpen of a guy that really has impressed me so far this year. It's Ryan Helsley, man. Oh Ryan yeah, Helsley. You talk about next level stuff. The guy throws 100 miles an hour. He's thrown four innings so far. He's punched out eight, hasn't walked anybody, but it ain't the fastball. Like the fastball is not the thing that impressed me. We all knew he had a fastball. It's his feel for his off speed and both pitches. He's got a feel for the cutter and he's got a really good feel for the breaking ball. That thing is dropping straight off the table. You talked about pitch tunneling with Adam Wainwright, Dan. Ryan Helsley, that looks the same coming out of his hands. You see some of the silliest swings right now from, from Helsley. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't know if he could do that. I didn't know if he was going to be able to get a feel for his secondary pitches. It just seemed like he was all fastball, max effort. Well, he's got a feel for it. And Dan, we talked about this, and he talked about it. He's finally healthy, right? He's able to get over that front side. That left knee was an issue for him. It's amazing when you can't finish a pitch, what happens? It's that last second. Can you finish it or can you not? He's finishing everything. He's finishing hitters. And his emergence in the bullpen, Ollie Marmol talked about this the other day, his emergence in the bullpen made the decision to have Jordan Hicks as a part of your rotation actually come to fruition. Because if you didn't have a high-impact arm like that that you knew could eat up late innings, then I don't know if you can make that Jordan Hicks move. And maybe, you know, are you even able to keep Jordan Hicks healthy, who needs to be pitching on this sort of a schedule? Ryan Helsley has been next level for me. Another part to think about with that, too, is I do think there's going to be situations, and I've talked to Ali about this, to where the game is on the line in the, let's say, the seventh or the eighth, and you have both Helsley and Gallegos available. And more more times than not, you would say, well, you go with Helsley here to get to the ninth to Gallegos. I think the comfort level with Helsley now is that if it's a high-leverage situation 
and they like the matchup a little bit better with Gallegos, that you may see him in the seventh or the eighth with the understanding that Helsley could close the game out. So that also gives you some flexibility, too, in those higher leverage uh, leverage situations that if you wanted to go mix and match, um, you could do that. And it's it wouldn't be like by saying that, oh, well, you know, we don't want Gallegos in the back end. No, 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 no. You may want him right now because that's the better matchup and the numbers bear that out. And they look at swing planes and all the different things that uh, would favor Gallegos or Helsley in a particular spot. But I think Ryan has given them flexibility also in the very, very back end of the game. So that wouldn't surprise me if you see that come up at uh, different points in time this year. No, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, Ollie was very upfront about that. And the, the the idea of having guys in your bullpen that can pitch different innings and be ready at different times, it all comes down to communication, okay? It, it comes down to talking to Giovanni Gallegos, which they have, and letting him know, dude, you, you got to be ready in any big spot. Like, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll give you enough time to, to, to get ready. But know that it's not always the ninth inning that you're going to get the nod, and you have to have options available. Helsley is one of those options. I still believe that Cody Whitley is going to turn into one of those late-inning options as well. Hennessy's Cabrera's got the cheese from the left side and the nasty breaking ball. you got T.J. McFarland, who is a, a different type of guy, and another one that I really enjoy watching pitch because all he does is just get ground balls. You see 88, you're a hitter, you're probably licking your chops, and then all of a sudden you find yourself with shattered lumber in your hand and, and you're the victim of a double play ball. So they've got some good weapons down there. Let's switch gears now, Brad. Talk a little bit about uh, the offense. And here was Ali Marmol after the game last night. And Pablo Lopez had an even 100 pitches. He struck out nine. That's the fourth time career high he's done that and what he was doing against the Cardinals offense. How's that? I mean, is it all coming off of Sandy with power, sinker, mm-hmm. power stuff, then going to Lopez where he dials it back a little bit? That at all kind of a factor here? Uh, not so much night to night. I think guys prep appropriately for the guy they're facing that evening. Um, so not so much one game to the other other than he did a nice job locating that changeup off of the sinker. I mean, it was a good pitch for him tonight. Absolutely. that's uh, That changeup was filthy, and he was getting in on the righties, which we talked about with Matt's doing that from the left side. Lopez was doing that last night from the right side. Really baffled the Cardinals. So you come from Alcantara, then you go to that. Uh, that wasn't easy. So Pujol struck out for the uh, struck out three times. But to the bigger issue there, um, and he wasn't the only one that struck out. But he's starting Brad against right-handed pitching. So we're seeing that more and more, and I think we're seeing it at home a lot because they're going to want to get him in the lineup at home. Home crowd feeds off at all those things. Uh, but it is interesting that Albert uh, is probably started more against right-handed pitching in this first week than maybe I thought he would do in the first half. So th- you're getting a chance to see him, but I, I do love the at-bats that he's taking last night notwithstanding, but uh, you are seeing him, though, start against those those righties that uh, the Cardinals are facing. Yeah, and what does it tell you, Dan? I mean, it, it, to me, it kind of screams that, we don't know that Dickerson or and or Newbar is going to be a way better, you know, a way better option at this point. I mean, is that kind of what it says to you, or is yes. it just say, hey, five is the guy? A little bit of both. I, I think the first point, though, is the most valid. Is that if you had Dickerson or uh, Newbar tearing the cover off the ball, you would not have seen Albert Pujols in that lineup last night. So to me, it tells them this has given us our best option to win. Um, I don't think he's a great matchup for hard throwers. Now, he did start against a hard thrower um, with Milwaukee, but uh, I think 
that they look at guys that uh, I, I don't want to say the soft tossers because they're not. There's not a soft tosser right hander in, in baseball today. But if they feel the matchup is there and it fits to his skill set at this point at the age of 42. I don't know if you agree with this, but I right now I think that they feel he's the the, be, the best option of the three that they have right now. Yeah, you and I talked about it on the broadcast, and we've talked about it privately as well. I, I just believe that he is still a presence. Having no him doubt. in that order, even, even if it, the numbers aren't there to bear it out, if there's not a definitive better option uh, and, and maybe a definitive option you know, arrives, I mean, we'll talk about a young Nolan Gorman in a minute because, boy, he's doing some things. Uh, but uh, to me, that, that still bears, you know, it, it still is something to have him there. But here's something, too. The numbers continue to bear out where Albert is successful because he's hitting 667 against left-handed pitching. He's 6 for 9, and he's got a, a 21-44 OPS. I mean, dang it, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, He's 1 for 12 against righties. He's hitting a 083 and a 298 OPS. I mean, the, the, the numbers are there behind it. So there will be some matchups that will be more advantageous uh, for Albert. I still believe that, that him being there helps protect specifically Nolan Arenado, who is having a monster start to the season. But you like a, another option from that left side to really emerge for you. Well, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, it's a presence when number four, or excuse me, number five is in there hitting behind number four in the lineup. And Arenado is off to just a terrific start. The uh, The game the other night, what a moment, huh? With Nolan hitting that home run, and and that's just the way things are going for him right now. He is just a man that's possessed to have a better season than he did a year ago, which was a really good year. But uh, I'm with you. I think, and I, I'm curious what you think about this, even at the age of 42, and you're a pitcher out there, especially a young pitcher, and you start looking through the lineup, and we still haven't seen Carlson or Goldie get going here. We're going to get into that here in a moment, but you have to think about that. You got to think about number five. There's still 681 home runs, you know, staring you at the face and 3,300 uh, plus uh, hits in, in the various things that he brings to the table. He's one swing away from changing the complexion of the game. And that's going to be interesting as we move forward here. Who protects Nolan Arenado? And sometimes it's the presence and the name on the back of that jersey that can at least provide a little protection to where he might see a pitch or two. But if somebody doesn't emerge, I'm concerned about what happens going forward. No, I am too. Uh, but but the thing is, and I think you laid it out well, you make a mistake to Albert, he's going to make you pay for it. Yep. You execute your pitch on the outer half, and you're probably going to get him at this point. Now, he'll shoot a hit or two that way. We saw that the other day when he had two hits. He blooped a double in. Boy, the, hey, how about Turbo, by the way? been calling him turbo on the fast lane like our it. guy jamie rivers came up with that one I, I really enjoyed that he gets the double he said i'm not sliding forget that stuff and then he scores from first on tommy Edmonds triple so turbo's been rolling a little bit but he he is still you can pitch to him on the outer half but if you leave anything middle in uh, sorry about your luck. And, and just to you talking about a young pitcher that is uh, sees Albert Pujols there, this is one of the best players in baseball when you were probably growing up and a fan of the game. And, Dan, I know you watch a lot of MLB Network, and I know a lot of the guys probably do laying around the hotels. What have you seen about Albert Pujols this year? You've seen highlights. You've seen home runs. You've seen magical moments. And then you're a young pitcher that sees that guy step into the box, and he's he's pointing his bat, and he's getting all ready. Dude, that gets you going a little bit. I, I think that there is really something to it. Well, I think they have fun with him, too, which I love. I, I've noticed that. 
Um, and especially after he, he scored from first the other night, and that was the first time he had done that since <laughs> 2019. So I, I do think the guys get a kick out of that. I was talking to Corey Dickerson the other day, and, and I brought this up on the, the broadcast. I said, you know, really, you, you haven't, and this leads to what else Albert brings to the table. I said, in your career, you really haven't been all that much of a bench player or just you know, isolated against right-handed pitching. You played a lot, is my point. So how are you trying to stay sharp? And the first thing he said to me was, well, Albert has really helped me out. He's made a point to come over and talk to me about what I'm doing uh, in between starts, what I look at at video, how I approach late-inning situations. He said he's just been tremendous. That has been a byproduct of having Albert with this team. Um, certainly, the nostalgia is awesome. I love it. The chase for 700 is great. The fact that he's putting up numbers against lefties, yes. But the, the presence that he also has provided on this team, um, and I see it. You know, you see it. We're on the bus. We're, on the, we're in the team hotel. Uh, he has been a great addition. And, and Pop Warner said something very interesting to me, Brad, the other day. So when they... We're talking about bringing in Albert Pujols. Uh, the the scuttlebutt was going around, and we had kind of heard a little something going on before the official announcement, and uh, they officially brought him in that, hey, man, this this may happen. And so the front office contacted the coaching staff and just said, you know, what do you think? And everybody to a man said, bring him back for sure. We think he can hit. But Pop said something really interesting. As you know, uh, being the third base coach in, in St. Louis, the visiting dugout is – on that side, on that third base line. He said he specifically was watching Albert interact with teammates last year when he was with the Dodgers. And he said, man, was he engaged? And was he helpful? And was he trying to help guys in between at bats? He said it was like a pseudo coach over there. So that's, and I I know fans hear that and they go, okay, but we need to see the home runs of production. I get it. He was over three last night, three Ks. But there are intangibles that he's bringing to this team that I, I just don't think should be overlooked. Yeah, we live in a world, Dan, where we want to quantify everything. Sure. Well, you can't. You can't. There's not a number for everything that is there. Now, they might end up paying dividends in all the work that he is putting in with other players. Like some of the numbers that Albert is uh, are responsible for this year are going to show up on other players' stat lines. Like that's just kind of how it goes because of the presence that he's there. And it's not to say that the coaching staff that is in place isn't doing what they're supposed to do and they're not helping these guys. It's Albert freaking Pujols. It's, it's one of the best players to ever play the game of baseball, and he's a wealth of knowledge. So you have to be able to utilize it. But you've been around a lot of players over the years Dan you know and especially like veteran players near the tail end some of them are jaded and they don't necessarily have the interest in having that role or maybe there's a thought of hey I'm better than what my role is and better what my than what my numbers are right now and they're not as willing to share that information when you got a guy that will sit down and not only sit down if you ask him a question but as you said with Dickerson will seek you out to give you information that is helping everybody, and oh yeah, by the way, again, he's still murdering left-handed pitching. No question about it. Uh, how concerned right now are you with Carlson, with what you've seen with that? He had back-to-back 0-5s. They gave him a day off. It was they, they basically called it a work day and a mental break day, and, uh, and the start of Goldie after having such a great spring. But those two guys, what are you seeing right now? Yeah, look, I'm not concerned with Goldie at all. And uh, I think that we have learned our lesson on this with Paul Goldschmidt throughout his entire career. The first month has been his slowest month. Now, generally not quite as slow as this one, but with the spring that he had, it's not like he lost, he just forgot how to hit. Like, had a rough offseason, dealing with an injury, and and he's just, uh, he's gone. No, he's having a rough start to it. 
He's going to be just fine. Dylan Carlson to me is a little bit more interesting because he's a young guy and he's still trying to figure things out at the big league level. We remember in 2020, the pandemic shortened season where he he's there and then he had struggles early. Pitchers were kind of taking advantage of him. He really struggled from the left side, specifically against off-speed, change-up, split fingers. And they sent him back to the summer camp. And he came back, made big adjustments. 2021 was a very, very positive season for him, and specifically the second half. I mean, he hit almost 290 in the second half, was getting on base, was slugging, was hitting doubles, and you just figure he's going to pick up where he left off. Well, baseball's hard. And you're going to go through some struggles. The thing that I see right now, and I went back yesterday and I was watching all of Dylan's at-bats, pitch by pitch, this year. I think that he's offering at too many things. I think that he's they trying to about cover that. everything. Absolutely. Right? They, yeah, I, I talked to some people down here in, uh, or up here now in Cincinnati, but uh, exactly, not to interrupt you, but overly aggressive a little bit, jumpy, um, maybe pressing because of that. And with that, it's, it's led to, to seeing some of the at-bats that you're just talking about. Yeah, it's a, I get it as a hitter, and maybe the, there's the thought process there of say, okay, well, I'm the leadoff guy. i got to figure out ways to get on base. If I see a strike, I'm going to put a strike in play. My, my thought with him, and I was talking about this on the, uh, on the radio with, with, uh, you know, with the guys, Jamie Rivers, uh, Anthony Stalter, uh, talking about it yesterday. I said, picture this as like a video game. A lot of people have played, uh, played the video games like baseball, MLB, the show, whatever it is. And you know how you have zones where you're trying to throw the ball in, you have hot zones and all that. They show you the grid. Well, as a hitter, sometimes you got to have your grid up. Okay. Especially early in account. Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This spot, this is where I could put my best swing on a ball. By the way, they have all the tendencies of every pitcher that is out there. You know what zones he likes to go to. You also know where a pitcher makes his most mistakes. I'm waiting for a mistake early. I'm going to offer at that. If I am, uh, if I'm Dylan Carlson right now, if I'm looking for a fastball middle in, I am not swinging early in account at a fastball way. Like that's just not my best swing that I'm going to be able to put on something with two strikes. I'll make some different adjustments. So I think he's working through that. And at 23 years old, you are going to press. He jumped in in spring training. He earned the leadoff job. Tommy Edmonds struggled mightily, and Dylan Carlson had a good spring, and he earned that spot. Well, he's struggling in that spot now. Does that mean he loses his job totally? No, but it might mean we're going to see a little moving and shaking in the lineup. And honestly, Dan, I think it would be a smart thing to bump him down a little bit, especially with Tommy Edmond doing what he's doing. You've been at home this past week. We'll wrap it up with this, and uh, I'm sure there's been a ton of talk about Nolan Gorman, who's off to a great start. Ten-game hitting streak after last night. Uh, he's got seven home runs. They've all been solo shots in 13 games. Uh, his OPS, by the way, is ridiculous, 1144. What needs to cut down is the strikeouts, which his swing and miss rate, strikeout rate, really dropped last year. But right now, in 13 games, he has struck out 18 times in 49 at-bats. So that's got to come down. But, boy, that's how you push yourself onto a roster if others are struggling or they need work and you come up and make an impact. Uh, it gets your attention, the seven home runs. I don't think there's any doubt about it. It does. It, it absolutely does. And for a guy that I, I feel like I'm a really busy guy, uh, but I, I still uh, had time to watch all his at-bats this year, too. I was, I was uh, looking at, at a lot of his stuff, specifically the hits. I, I wasn't into the swing and miss as much because that's not as much fun to watch. Uh, but I, I'm watching this swing of his, and it is it is pretty. I mean, he's, he's hitting home runs, tape measure uh, shots to the pull side, 
but he also has a couple where he's letting the ball travel and going oppo. And to me, like that is a sign of a hitter that really knows himself. There's going to be swing and miss in his game. Like that, that part of it's going to happen. The numbers that you threw out there, I mean, the 18, uh, 18 punch outs, that's a lot already. And you know, that number is going to get bigger at the big league level when guys know how to, to pitch to you and execute their pitches more. There are less mistakes made there, but the power plays. And the thing for him is I love the fact that he bounced back from a disappointing spring. He went into spring training for the first time in his life with a legitimate opportunity to make the big league roster, and he struggled. The pressure got to him a little bit. He started pressing. Uh, You know, Ollie talked uh, talked about it throughout the process. And we've seen time and time again players that go down to AAA and they're bitter and they're upset about it and they don't believe that they belong there and I'm a top prospect or I'm this, I'm that. And then they find themselves struggling for the first however long of the season. Nolan Gorman said, damn it, that wasn't me. That was not me in spring training. I'm going to go be me. I'm going to show you what I can do. And he's doing it. Now, I'll say this with with Nolan. He's doing everything that he can do. And my advice to him, if I were one of his teammates or one of his coaches, hey, dude, don't be looking at the St. Louis box scores every day. Good point, yeah. Yeah, man, don't dig into what Dickerson is doing. Don't dig into what Newt Barr is doing. You dig into what you are doing. This process right here will get you to the big leagues and it will keep you to the big leagues. But there are still things here that you need to work on because he's a young player. He's still not on the 40 man roster. You'd have to make some moves to be able to get him there. We're in the first month of the season. You mentioned Dickerson never being in the role that he is in currently. You're going to give him some time to grow into it. Lars Newbart has not gotten very many at bats. It's very hard to say, I know what Lars is as a big leaguer this year. No, you don't because he's only gotten a handful of uh, at bats at the level. So for Nolan, Stick with the process, man. Keep doing what you're doing right now, and he's going to be in the big league soon, and he'll stay in the big league. Buddy, this is fun. We went long today. Really long. Well, I missed you. I missed you, Dan. I've missed you, too. Well, let's do it again uh, next week, huh? I'm in. All right, buddy. Thanks for doing it, and uh, have a great weekend. All right, you, too. Have a good call in Cincinnati. I'm kind of looking forward to watching that youngster, Hunter Green, tonight. I wouldn't want to be a hitter wanting to, to face him, and, you know, it's like Jordan Hicks 2.0. I, I don't think yeah, I'd I want watch that. watch it from home. It seems safer. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, buddy, thanks, and uh, we'll catch up on Monday. All right, Dan, good stuff. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the Cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you. Get early access to Macy's Black Friday specials on gifts they'll love at prices you will too. Now, while supplies last, like 40 to 50% off boots and shoes for him and for her. Sweaters for him and her, just $24.99. And 60% off holiday decor, hosting essentials, and so much more. Plus, download the free app for more Black Friday deals at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.